This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome back. You're listening to the Coast to Coast podcast here on Inside Carolina, InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell. I see that the fruit snacks have been devoured, which means Sherelle McMillan is ready. I see that the beautiful sun of the West Coast is up, and it's nearly full position, which means Sean Moran is ready. And we're going to bring the next episode of the Coast to Coast with you, or to you, with you, whatever, however you want to consume this. But we have, uh, this is the last show before UNC basketball actually starts practicing this year, which is weird to say, but um, let's get some business out of the way before we start talking about the, the real meat of the show. Uh, Want to make sure you guys, if you're listening or if you're watching on YouTube, take a second, go review us. It really does help. I'm not just saying that. Uh, the more you rate and review us, the less you'll have to hear me say that because it does help the algorithm based on where you're getting our audio from, whether it's um, Apple Play or Google Play or you know, Go Out and Play or whatever, wherever you're getting your podcast from. Make sure you take a second to rate and review us. If you don't like the show, hey, shoot us a note. Shoot Ben Sherman a note. Shoot me a note. Uh, shoot Sherelle. Shoot Sean. Just let us know because we want to make sure that we're doing the best job that we can and giving you guys the, the quality uh, content that you're here for and that you've come to expect out of Inside Carolina. We also want to make sure we say thanks to Johnny T-Shirt for all of their support. JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Hey, I looked outside. I took a little trip with a fan to the mountains this week. The leaves are changing, which means it's going to start getting cold. And my wife is a sweatshirt queen. Like the day that it gets under 70, it's like, oh, God, I need a sweatshirt. Well, Johnny T-Shirt's got your sweatshirts, y'all. Be sure you check them out. They've got all the Nike gear you want. They've got any brand, any label that you can think of. They've got all the official stuff. They've got all the official jerseys. Uh, That's your headquarters if you want to get UNC gear. So be sure to check them out. JohnnyT-Shirt.com. They're a family-owned business. They have been longtime supporters of not only the Tar Heels, but of Inside Carolina, and they support this podcast, so make sure you give them some love. Um, and I think that's all we got before we actually start start rolling today. Boys, I'll, I'll go first just with a, with a temperature check. Sean, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Um, you know, I've been able to dive, dive into some of the college basketball preview magazines, and some of the content is starting to from other sites is starting to increase. So it's good to hopefully be back, be back pretty soon. Well, you've got that werewolf of London hair. It's perfect. So I want to give a big shout out to that. Sherelle rocking his, uh, his Jordan brand, uh, Charlotte Hornets gear. Uh, real, how you feeling, man? Going for the record for consecutive appearances with the Jordan brand shirt on. So I think this is like 12. I'm going to try. 12, all right. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm going to try to keep it going. Yeah, I'm going to try and keep it going. Add that to the show notes so that we can be sure that we cover that for next week. Um, fellas, the, the last couple of weeks, we actually did see a couple of dominoes fall. Uh, to what degree they may affect UNC depends on how much you believe the hype that you see out there. Uh, Sherelle, we saw two of those come off the board officially this week. Do you want to talk about those guys? 
Yeah, so Caleb Hewson, uh, who is a, depending upon who you ask, kind of a combo small forward, power forward <clears throat> from uh, Mount Verde Academy, played a little with Dayron Sharp last year, actually was a roommate of Dayron Sharp, eliminated UNC. He's down to a final four of uh, Michigan, Duke, uh, Alabama, and Virginia. <clears throat> so those are the four he's chose. He's ch uh, decided to kind of move forward with. And then uh, Jabari Smith, our favorite topic on this podcast. So we just <laughs> always dismissively like, oh, Jabari Smith. Yeah, whatever. We can still talk about uh, him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, committed to Auburn, keeping that kind of Atlanta to Auburn pipeline going. Uh, Sharif Cooper, who's going to be their point guard this year, is a part of that. Isaac Okoro, who's going to be a lottery pick, is a part of that. So uh, <clears throat> uh, Bruce Pearl really has the – Atlanta to Auburn thing, you know, going strong. Um, so those uh, were the dominoes that fell this past week or the, this past couple of weeks. And, you know, like we said with Smith, I don't really think Carolina was really ever a real consideration for him. It was an offer that UNC had to make, but um, Auburn, most people thought led for, for quite some time. And, you know, with him, there's still a chance that in the spring, depending upon what the G League decides to do, that he takes that route. That was uh, with my Houston, question is, is he really a college <clears throat> prospect? Yeah, it depends. I mean, he, he says he is and, and everyone around him says they are, but that, you know how that goes. You, you are until you aren't. Right. Uh, and so uh, Caleb Houston, I think his recruitment was a little more mysterious. I do wonder just if North Carolina had too many bodies for him, hmm. uh, considering Puff Johnson and Kerwin Walton are incoming freshmen. And then you have Leaky Black who will presumably be back for his senior season. Yeah. And then even role wise, DeMarco Dunn is a commitment they just got. So they have a lot of bodies in that two through four range. I just wonder if it was, he just thought it was too full. Yeah. I've got to say to his list his the four that he, you know, that he's cut it down to excluding North Carolina. That's a weird amalgamation of schools. I mean, they all have some, some national panache behind them, but I don't know that I've ever seen those four together. Sean, you got anything you want to share about, uh, about Houston or our favorite target Jabari Smith? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Jabari was always a, a long shot. Um, really fun guy to watch. Um, I, as you alluded to, if he makes it to Auburn, um, I think that'll, that's a toss up at best. Uh, Caleb Houston, not having, you know, been in depth as Sherelle and his recruitment, I was a little surprised, especially, you know, with UVA making it over UNC, just given that he was the first offer in the 2022 class when he was still in that one before reclassing um, and that they were on him pretty early. Uh, Dayron Sharp had been at Montverde. So, uh, you know, I thought there is a little more connection there than obviously with Jabari. Uh, but once again, I, there are a lot of bodies. Um, I think when we did the fit piece for Houston, you know, I thought it would be a really good fit since he was kind of more of a one and done projected guy where, you know, ideally one of those type of players wouldn't be fully threatened by mm -hmm. those bodies that, that will be at Carolina. But at the same time, um, you know, the other schools could have a, a more definitive pathway to him to him playing um, but once again I think you know both of them are tall and can shoot and would have been nice to see them in, in Carolina blue but I think I was a little more surprised with Houston than I was Jabari. Noted I appreciate that and one of the things that we saw uh, recently and some numbers have popped up uh, 26 of 100 or 26 of the top 100 uh, kids remain uncommitted and I, that's just 
like everything else that we've talked about on this podcast for the last three months, that's so weird to me. Sean, how do you feel about seeing that number of, you know, a full quarter of, of the top 100 kids being uncommitted? Yeah, I mean, it would be good to kind of compare it to, to previous years just to see the, the difference. And usually, you know, I think that there's a time warp of where everything still feels like you're in the same time. But knowing that, norm, you know, in October with Midnight Madnesses occurring, all the, you know, all the visits to football games that normally a lot of people are committing right around this time frame. But when you hear the 26, and once again, you know, UNC has two, two of the um, you know, two of the players that are committed, but there's only 26 left out of that top 100 is a little scary if you're trying to land one or two more. Um, you know, that being said, with the lack of evaluations over the spring and summer, there could easily be some guys in that, you know, post 100 that, that could be fits. But once again, as we've talked about a few times, as people keep on committing that have been on the offered list, um, you know, it, it, everything's shrinking. So now you're down to, I think, uh, four, four players that have, that have offers with, um, you know, maybe some of those being, a little, I mean, really Sol, you know, Solace and Kaufman being a little more realistic than definitely Holmgren and maybe a little bit in Baldwin. So let's, uh, let's segue to that and Shrell, I'll throw it to you. Any updates about, uh, you know, Kaufman specifically? I saw that you had a mention of him in your scoop, which goes up on the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Board every Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on how you feel. Um, and by the way, if you're listening to this or watching this and you're not a premium subscriber, just make it happen, please. It, it'll make us all happier. But Shrell, what do you have any nuggets that you'd like to share with us about, um, about maybe a Trey Kaufman or anybody else? Uh, I, know there, I know Salas has punted until theoretically probably spring, but do you have anything you want to share with us about, uh, about Kaufman at all? Uh, no, it's it's pretty quiet with him. I think he has enough information to make a decision. And I think he and his family, just from <clears throat> talking to folks who are around them or who know them well, I think he and his family are ready to kind of, or, or I should say, I wouldn't say ready to get over with, but they're, they're tired of answering the questions <laughs> and kind of tiring of the process in general. So, you know, I, I think, you know, something could happen with him at any time. I think um, <clears throat> a spring decision at one point was, more likely than not for him just because when you've got his pedigree and there's, you know, only 26 players in the top 100 left. And then you start talking about big men, you know, you can just wait around and you can probably get maybe, I don't want to say a better offer, but you have a lot more options. If you wait, you become more coveted that way. Um, but I do think uh, right now he's just kind of in kind of that in between where like, oh, I could make a decision, but maybe I want to see what it looks like when the season starts and how guys are playing and how they're, you know, uh, using their bigs and all that, all that stuff. Uh, as far as Salas is concerned, nothing particularly new. Um, you know, it, it's, it seems based upon chatter that is starting to head in a direction that's not favorable for UNC. Uh, but I do think if he continues to uh, hold out into the spring, um, you know, nothing, there's no bigger elixir for problems for UNC <laughs> than an official visit. And if they can just get him on campus for an official visit, who knows what happens. But without that, uh, you know, if you can, you can just go to inside Carolina and kind of, you know, look at some of the uh, stuff on the crystal ball and all that. It seems to be trending away from UNC, but I'm not ready to say 100% that it's going to. Um, I, there's still a little guesswork in there, uh, but North Carolina definitely is, is being challenged by uh, Kentucky. I, I can't, I haven't found anyone who has said 
that another school outside of Kansas or, or excuse me, outside of Kentucky or North Carolina really, really has a great shot with him. Hmm. That's good info. And appreciate you kind of, kind of keeping us up to date there. And Sean, I know you actually got a chance to see um, some at least relatively recent footage of Hunter Salas uh, and had a chance to kind of break that down. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, well, I was actually uh, uh, still for the fit, have a few more 2022. So I was trying to watch more for Mark Mitchell, um, but I ended up going through and found a game in, in August, uh, Mitchell's team versus Salas' team. I think they played, matched up a few times throughout the course of the summer, but um, you know, was able to watch the full game and he probably had, uh, you know, 18, 20, 20 plus points. Um, it was kind of interesting watching him because we always talk about him playing, you know, really the two, one, the combo guard spot, which I think he can, uh, he probably spent 95% of the time on the wing. Um, so not really handling the ball in that particular game, which it was similar to some of the high school games I've seen. Um, I think one of the biggest concerns with him was his three-point shot, which at least from this one game looked like he had worked on, uh, especially compared to his, to his high school game. Um, and then the other, you know, the other thing when watching, he was pretty like, even though he had 18 or 20, uh, he wasn't really, you know, dominant, like you would really expect a five-star to be. Um, there were at times kind of these very explosive athletic plays. One was a, a dunk from the right side and the other was a kind of an up and under layup where, you just say, wow, that kid is, you know, really long, really athletic. But there's a lot of other times where he was pretty quiet um, throughout the game. But once again, he did hit several threes. So his, his outside shot was looking better. Um, so still, you know, still a big fan of, of his game and we'll still be holding out hope, even though it does seem Kentucky is kind of the leader in the clubhouse. And I'm sure it doesn't you know, it doesn't help with all the NBA games going on and Tyler Hero and, you know, Bam and, um, you know, Jamal Murray previously. So a lot of uh, Kentucky guard discussion um, that everybody's, everybody's watching. And well, it sounds like, you know, based on what you guys have heard the last, uh, last few weeks, it is probably going to be many more episodes up until the spring that we can continue to discuss Hunter Salas until he uh, either makes a decision or, you know, if he were to eliminate UNC, Guys, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Yeah, I mentioned to open the show, we're three days away from practice starting in Chapel Hill, and that does seem surreal to say, but it also seems surreal from the flip side because, you know, it's middle of October. We're used to the guys already already having some nuggets coming out and having some really good, some really good info about what's, what's developing with the current roster. The first thing I want to throw out there and have you guys kind of speak to, Sean, I'll let you take this one first. It seems as if there may be, on its face, a bit of a logjam for minutes at the four and the five for UNC, which, knowing where they've been in the past, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of throwing caution against the wind by mentioning this, but it does seem like UNC has a, a good bit of, of a problem in that they've got bodies, but for how many minutes? How do you think that that uh, – that, that, that those minutes might shake out and how, how do you think that the coaching staff might allocate who's going to play where? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating storylines to see. I mean, you can probably pencil in Garrison Brooks for, you know, 30, 32 minutes or what more or less depending on his foul trouble. Um, but with him, you have kind of that steady solid piece that you know what you're getting. And then it's really going to be kind of the, you know, who, who comes in and who who makes an impact in that first half 
that is probably going to be the guy coming in in the, the second half to play next to Brooks. Um, I would imagine Armando would get the nod early on just because of his one year experience. But once again, you know, he, he didn't have a great year last year by any means. Um, you know, he, he was strong on the boards, but I, I think really needed, needed to work on his offensive game. Uh, and then you have, you know, Sharp, who once again, you know, seeing him in high school and AU just continued to improve almost every time out. And he play. I mean, he plays super hard. So I think if I had to guess, I'm, I'm going to put my money on Sharp, um, maybe not at the beginning, but him kind of establishing himself a little quicker. And then I really think Kessler is going to be the intriguing one because he offers more of the inside-outside game than the other two. Um, but is he playing a mix, you know, off, you know, when Brooks comes, comes out and then kind of swapping between positions? Because once again, depending on who you're playing and who's guarding that four spot, that's also going to be a challenge um, as well. But I think UNC is really the strongest when they have a core three bigs that they can count on, um, you know, where you're starting two, and then you have that one solid guy that you can just rotate. And those three are the ones getting the minutes versus when you start having four, then it becomes a little, you know, not as <laughs> even, I would say. Um, and it's, it's more of like, all right, let's see who plays well in the first half and then they get the minutes. So I really like it when it's three guys that are the focuses and that that'll probably come as the season season goes. And then the question becomes, you know, how does that fourth guy take it if he's kind of, um, you know, out a little bit more, but once again, there's always injuries and <laughs> knock on wood that they don't happen, but it will be nice to have depth in that position, especially when it comes to very talented players. Yeah. Shrill, I'll, I'll kick this to you. I know that you and I have had this conversation many times over the years. Is this going to be one of the situations where the guy that runs and plays defense the most in practice ends up getting those minutes? Because I'll be honest, Sean alluded to it. I don't, I don't know how they take Garrison Brooks off the floor if he's not in foul trouble. Yeah, you know, I, I think part of it is, too, for Garrison. So to, to address that, um, I think he would be the first to admit, and I think the staff would be the first to admit, that because he played so many minutes, the most uh, minutes by a nun, most <laughs> minutes by someone not named Marcus Page in like 10 years. Right. And he was like 35.2 or something like that. They, they would say that, yeah, his defense slipped a little bit just because he had such a massive burden offensively. Yeah. So while I think he's an excellent player, I think, you know, you're kind of saying to yourself, do I need 35 minutes of him at 90% or 85% or three minutes of him at 100%? Yeah, I think I they think. would answer the latter. So I think his minutes, I wouldn't be surprised if his, his minutes are going to go down. Um, it's just a matter of how much. I, I think 30, 31 sounds about right for him. It, it's obviously game to game. Um, but I think that'll make him become, you know, back to the top tier defender he was because there was some slippage there. And it was just because he was tired. He was having to do so much. So I think, think that's that his one. usage will stay up. If, if even if they cut that number, cut, cut those, uh, cut those minutes back, do you still think his usage rate will still be as high? Uh, uh, that's tough. Uh, that's tough, man. <laughs> that's why we're just, here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I'll, I'll say no, just because it, it, it reminds me of uh, Luke May coming back for his senior season. Mm. Uh, everyone was like, yeah, it'll be great for Luke May. He's an All-American, but he shouldn't have to average what he did last year because, you know, they won't need him because they'll have some reinforcements. Cam Johnson got healthy. Kobe White came in. Nasir Little came in. Garrison Brooks, you know, improved. So I think that'll it'll be fairly similar for Garrison Brooks as it was uh, Luke May's senior year in that he'll be just as good of a player 
but his numbers won't be nearly as good as they were um, last year. I think just as far as the rotation, man, they have 80 minutes and they're going to make sure that those 80 minutes are filled with people who are running up and down the court, playing defense, who are energized um, to bring up stuff we talked about before. You're going to have to be a self-starter in this kind of environment with no fans and everything. So if you were someone who can't, you know, kind of get up for a game yourself, I don't know. I think that's going to hurt you if, if you're that type of player. If you're someone who feeds off of the crowd, who doesn't have that internal thing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just some people have it and some don't. I think that's going to hurt you as well. So, um, you know, it's, it really is a situation where the bench is the, the greatest motivator, you know, that whole thing. And Roy Williams, we, we talked about it. He would look over last year and be like, who am I going to put in for Garrison Brooks? There's not really anyone. <laughs> I can't I feel bench anybody with. because right. there's no other bodies. <laughs> right. There's not anyone I feel comfortable with or everybody's hurt. So this year that shouldn't be the case. Um, so I, I think those are a couple of things to look for. Um, and then, you know, if, going back to 2017, because I get, I get 2017 post vibes just because it was the last time they had four like viable mm-hmm. post players. Um, if you go back to that Kentucky Elite Eight game, you know, one of our favorite games. Everybody loves that game. <laughs> you know, I don't think I realized it until we did the throwback. Shout out, Joey. That Isaiah Hicks didn't play nearly as much as I remembered. Yep. And Greg Barnes was like, yeah, Roy decided to go with Luke May because he was hot. I think there'll be a situation like that where, you know, maybe it's a game where Armando Baycott is playing better than Sharp and they'll roll with Sharp. Maybe there's a game where Walker Kessler is playing better than everyone else and they'll feed him. Um, it just it gives them that option. So I, I think that's what we'll see. Um, <clears throat> I think it'll be the start of the season. It'll be Baycott and, and Brooks. And then from there, who knows? Those guys are going to battle and practice and make each other better. I may be contrarian in that, but I always feel like that on Roy Williams' best teams, he's been able to feel who's playing better in the moment and make adjustments like you referenced with, with Hicks v. May in that uh, Kentucky semifinal, regional semi or regional final game in 2017. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, another for, for Brooks, you know, he, he went, he was getting about a little over 12 shots a game last year, um, which actually doesn't sound like a whole lot when you think about everything he was, he was doing. Um, but, you know, even though the team was, was losing last year, he was carrying a big load. I'm sure he would like to lighten the load, but I'm curious from a mental standpoint, if, if he's not getting, you know, as many shots or getting the ball as much as he did, uh, you know, how will that kind of go mentally? You know, mm. I don't think that should be a big issue, but once you kind of get used to one thing, it's hard to kind of go back to another thing. Um, you know, I think his, his efficiency, it definitely decreased from his sophomore to junior year, but it didn't take a big hit, which I think was the most surprising thing, just given how much his minutes went up. Um, yeah. But once again, I think it'll be interesting just to see the, the mix, um, you know, in terms of now there's more talent around him. Um, so is he able to kind of keep that efficiency high, maybe come down a little bit, but still, you know, he's, he, there's a lot of high projections for him in terms of, you know, All-American, things like that. Um, so will he feel the pressure to live up to that or will he be able to get into kind of a good flow with the rest of the team? Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shrill. And, you know, he's never, in his years at Carolina, he's never consistently played with a true five. He's always been That's a true point. five. So I'm curious, you know, after three years of kind of being the post guy, how he's going to handle sliding over to the four, even though he came in with that ability. I, like you said, it's just, it'll be fun to watch him kind of grow because he's going to have to grow too. Um, just like the freshmen are going to have to grow, grow into playing that role and, whether or not, you know, his shots are coming at the rim or if he's just going to be kind of the mid-range guy and we've seen him in some of the social media stuff, stepping out and taking threes. Is that going to be something that uh, uh, actually happens in the game or is that just more, you know, something he's just working on to work on? So it, it, just a lot of questions. That's been my Easter egg in every single uh, run and shoot or whatever you want to scrimmage video that the official UNC basketball social media accounts have put out. My Easter egg has always been every single one of them has included Garrison Brooks stepping outside for a jump shot, which, uh, okay, uh, yeah. to, to your point, real, maybe that's maybe that's what he's been challenged with in the off scene, and maybe that's uh, the adapt the adaptation that they think he needs to make, uh, just as much you know in different ways that they're expecting out of the freshmen. And speaking of those freshmen, guys, is it possible that we see? A lot of RJ, uh, RJ Davis and, and, and Caleb Love playing together early this year. Sherelle, what do, you, what do you feel about that? I feel like, you know, th- there's kind of been some mysticism around it and people kind of being curious of, you know, Anthony Harris fits in, you know, Andrew Playtech fits in. But how do you feel that? How do you feel that's going to play out? Because, again, practice starts in three days. Well, I can say, uh, talking to folks, they love RJ, which I, I guess isn't terribly surprising. Um, I, I, I've been a little bit surprised how much we've heard it kind of on, from people who have been around kind of the rumor mill back channel. It, it's been surprising how much we heard it. I, I guess they will play. So they're going to have to play some together regardless. Whether I think what we're talking about is as a starting unit. Um, and, you know, to me, I would think that Anthony Harris has a leg up <clears throat> just because of some of the things he did last year to kind of be the starting two. Um, but as we've said, you know, with this season, you know, use whatever word you want to, like all bets are off literally with this season because um, they're just not going to let 14 and 19 or whatever it was happen again. And if it takes starting five freshmen, if it takes starting, you know, five walk-ons, if it takes starting four bigs, they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that they have a good season and rebound. Uh, when I say rebound, get better and not actually rebound, but also rebound. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> Will Williams is always big on the rebounds post-game too. I think it's the yeah, first number he yeah. looks at. So, so to answer your question, yeah, I think we'll see it. I, I just, you know, I don't know um, about it as a starting unit, but I, I think we'll see it. it. It could be a starting unit. And, I think Sean uh, has a good idea of kind of how it would work with uh, Caleb and RJ, both really good scorers, uh, both can push tempo. Sean, can I hear how you feel like that's going to, that's going to play out in the real world, specifically with the nuances of their game and how they would complement each other, but also what each of them individually brings to the table. Cause I think that's something that you guys have really done a good job in sharing with our, our listeners, our subscribers when they were coming in, how, yeah, they similar, they, they play similar positions, but they're not the same guy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think with 
once again, with Harris, I know he's had a miraculous recovery, um, but there's still a question mark of how are his, how is he going to hold up? But when you look at the two of them, I do think their, their games complement each other. Um, and I know we've always talked about uh, really Caleb Love being, you know, the point guard. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who's the one that – and maybe it's both of them, 50-50, 40-60, whatever it is in terms of who, who's handling the ball more. Um, you have Caleb Love that, going back to his high school in AAU, kind of was transitioning into that point guard role. Um, and is, you know, 6'3", taller, stronger, a little more athletic, uh, more of like I'd say an NBA point guard where he watches games and he's very content, um, more just kind of bringing the ball up the court at, at his pace, um, operating in the pick and roll, very left-hand dominant. So he loves to use the pick and roll, go left. And once again, with his strength and size, he can get to that rim and, and finish um, or hit a floater. And his shot definitely has has improved. It still, I think, needs needs a, a little more consistency. But he's, you know, he's comfortable from kind of the new college three point line um, to the NBA three point line. So he does have that uh, comfortability. Um, and then you have R.J. Davis, who smaller, a little quick, a little quicker. Um, in AU, he played with the ball in his hands a lot, and he was always trying to push the ball up, you know, really as much as as much as he could. So he's going to fit in seamlessly in terms of the up-tempo offense. Um, in terms of him playing off the ball, he could definitely do that. A little more, I'd say, slithery um, in terms of he, he loves like the one, two dribble combos, either to free himself up, um, you know, side to side for a three-point shot mm-hmm. or maybe get a step on the defender. And once again, with his size, uh, he, he was good at getting to the line. I think that could be a little more of a challenge for him in college, but he did have a good floater mid-range game. Um, but once again, he's, he can catch and shoot from deep as well. So I think really as they both get adjusted to each other, um, with their, I think they do complement each other well in terms of what their strengths are. And once again, they're both wired to score, but they're both um, also have the ability and are good passers. So they're, they're able to look for each other and their teammates also. I'm going to go ahead and go on the record here, and I'm not going to fan out, but I will say that I am an absolute stand for R.J. Davis's game. Just having seen some of his video and re- reading some of the stuff that I've read about him, he's got some dog in him. And Sherell knows this because that's one of my – that's probably my favorite trait in, in all <laughs> basketball players is if he's a dog, I am a fan. And it seems like R.J. has some dog about him, and I'm excited to see – how he develops specifically with what lineup UNC decides to trot out. Sherelle, you got anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, we went up there, uh, went up there to New York to White Plains to watch him play back before everything happened. It was actually the last trip I took before the all the before times. Yeah, in the before times back in December. Um, and we watched him play a season opener and we talked to coaches and players and, you know, there are a couple other teachers that were there who uh, we talked to and to a T, they all talked about how tough he was. And they talked about how um, at Stepanak, Archbishop, Archbishop Stepanak is where he uh, went to school. It wasn't a program known for being, you know, really good at basketball. They've had a few good players, but nothing on the level of, North, you know, somebody's going to North Carolina. And his coach basically said, yeah, when he decided to come here, that was all we needed. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, the guy just put the entire program on his back. And, you know, we went from a, you know, well-known Catholic school 
uh, in New York to kind of a school that everyone knew around the country when it came to high school basketball. Mm -hmm. And all that was because of RJ Davis about, you know, it's cliche stuff, but about how he would stay after games and, and shoot to 11 or 12 in the morning about how after those games where he stayed until 11 or 12, or 12, he would be there the next morning at 6.30, ready to get more shots up, and just how hard he worked because he felt like, you know, with his size deficiency, he's 5'11", maybe. Uh, with that deficiency, or I shouldn't say deficiency, with that limitation, um, you know, he was going to have to overcome a lot because, you know, being a 5'11 basketball player when everyone else is, you know, 6'5", six, 6'7", yeah. six, is very hard. And so he had to learn how to, as Sean said, a, a floater, how to finish through contact, how to be shifty, and how to use his first step to get by defenders and all those things. And um, just to a T, though, everyone talked about his, worth, his work ethic, how hard of a player he is, and how he just put the program on his back and made it a national you know, basketball kind of powerhouse. Boy, does that sound like anybody that Roy Williams has liked before? Oh, you got me who? Uh, I'm just any any litany of point guards that he oh, has yeah, yeah. fawned over over the last ten to fifteen years. I mean, they've all had those those kind of qualities that you just listed out. They're they're tough. Um, they're really aggressive. They're really willing to kind of take the team on their back, and that's independent of you know scoring ability. That's just like a mindset that I think you know Roy's always quick to. How many guys has he called a tough little nut over the last ten years? Right. I mean, how many guards has he given that moniker to? And I think that this sounds – everything that you two just said about R.J. Davis to me sounds like he might be prepping us for something. Sean, anything else you want to contribute about, about just the guard situation and what you think playing time might look like? Or if we just want to continue to stand for R.J. Davis, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, once again, going back to who's pushing the ball to the court, who's the primary ball handler, um, you know, and – at UNC, I, even with Barry and Page, it was always really one guy, more or less. Um, going back to Kansas, it seemed like it was, you know, kind of either or. But, you know, when you had um, Kobe White, UNC was playing at its fastest tempo. Kobe, you know, the question for Kobe was, was, was he – and I, I had the same question, you know, was he going to be able to adapt to, you know, going from a scorer to a, a true league guard? And – he pushed the pace like we hadn't seen really since Lawson mm -hmm. last year with, with Cole, uh, no, uh, you know, no discredit to him, but he was a little more comfortable, you know, he would push it, but he didn't nearly push it like Kobe did or anybody else, you know, so the, the tempo went down. Um, RJ, once again, as I mentioned, he loves to push. If he's the one handling the ball, I think UNC gets right back in that, you know, top 10, 20, tempo rankings um if it's love it'll be interesting to see i think it'll definitely increase from last year but will it reach that you know upper upper echelon um we always talk about offense defensively and this is kind of why projecting forward assuming caleb love is a one and done you know and why we've talked about hunter salas um or somebody like him where you play two guards and and now you have kind of a taller defender that um you know, might be able to help out RJ a little bit. Because once again, at 5'11", if that teams are going to try to attack him if they're bigger, um, and if you have two sub 5'11 guards, it's going to be very easy to attack. But with Caleb Love, his size and strength, um, you know, you can, you can switch a little better and you can put him on, you know, if a team has another 6'2", 6'3", shooting guard score, you know, he could probably go on him more than Davis. So once again, 
I think uh, you'll be able to see a lot of versatility and a lot of switchability just given the different sizes, uh, strength, and length of the two. All right, fellas. Well, that gives us something to look forward to, at least for you know, subscribers and, and listeners to this podcast, knowing that you know, practice starts again officially this week. So be sure to stay locked in on InsideCarolina.com to hear more about that. I'm sure uh, both of you guys will have some content coming relatively quickly once you know, once we start having the, the media days and start getting a little bit more, uh, more contact in an official capacity. But it's going to be fun to watch, like you guys both mentioned, how the, how the, the post-player minutes are delved out and, and then are delved out, are doled out, and also how these two young guys handle the guard position, how that fits. Um, anything else you guys want to throw in before we wrap the show today? I, I had something, and it's not necessarily basketball related, but it goes back to the Johnny T-shirt read. Like, I, I, I can't stress enough to folks how important it is to support a place like Johnny T-shirt. Um, when you go to Franklin Street, and for those of us who, who went to Carolina or who have grown up going to Chapel Hill, it seems like every time you go, something you knew is gone. It's like, this place is gone, and, and this had to close. And, it hurts, man. You know, yeah, it hurts. And so – there aren't many of those places left. And Johnny T-shirt is one of those places I've literally gone to uh, for the last, you know, 25 years. Like when my brother was in college, my uncles were in college, we would always go to Johnny T-shirt. That's, that was the stop. So I would just implore folks, like support them. They support us, locally owned alumni. Like, you know, let's not let another chapel institution, you know, go by the wayside. Not on my watch. Yeah. Not on my watch. And real talk to to Rill's point. That was the first uh, Carolina store that I went to when I took my visit to UNC many, many, many moons ago. Um, they still had stores then. It was really awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, make sure you guys hit up Johnny T-shirt. Thanks for bringing it up, Rill. Uh, patronize them however you can. JohnnyT-shirt.com. They can get the quick shipment out to you. Um, you know they process stuff so quickly. It's amazing. Or, or. They can deliver it to your doors. You can just kind of pull up there in the, on the street there on Franklin. They can actually run it out to you. I mean, there's, just, there's all kinds of ways that they want to take care of Inside Carolina subscribers. Make sure if you're a premium content subscriber that you use your coupon code, get that extra 10% off, and that's on top of a sale. They can have some stuff on sale. You throw an extra 10 on top of that. We're saving you money upon money upon money, and it's because we like our subscribers and our listeners and our viewers, if you're checking us out on YouTube. So once again, guys, take some time to rate us, review us. We appreciate you listening to this episode. Boys, anything before we, uh, before we put a bow on this one? No. All right. All for good. Sherelle McMillan, for Sean Moran, I'm Joey Powell. This has been the Coast to Coast Podcast on InsideCarolina.com. We'll catch you next time. Late. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.